Please listen carefully. Hello and welcome to the Optimist Daily's Weekly Roundup. I'm Carissa. And I'm Ariel, and we're working hard to put solutions in view and optimism in movement. Well, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. Ariel, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. <clears throat> I've been uh, getting really crafty lately. Ooh. So, uh, I just moved into a new place, so I had my house warming recently. And with that comes a lot of friends who bring their own drinks and then leave bottles. Mm-hmm. So I've been drawing on them yeah. with um, Posca pens. Oh. But apparently you can um, you can do all your little designs and then bake them. Mm-hmm. And then it, it remains permanent after that. So I just finished one bottle with flowers on it. <laughs> oh, how nice. I didn't know that was a thing. I'm manifesting spring. Yeah, I know. Me too. I feel like at least over here in California, it's been warmer weather. But that sounds like a good way to kind of welcome in the spring a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe good glasses for some outdoor beverages. Or I was thinking like refillable soap dispensers and stuff like that. Yeah. I'll be like giving them as gifts to my friends. I think that's... That's what the plan is, but for now I'm just doodling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How about you? Uh, How have you been keeping busy this week? I've been keeping busy by just kind of being all over the map again, I guess, um, of California. I was Mm -hmm. down south visiting some friends, and there were a couple of events this week. There was Galentine's going on because we had Valentine's Day, an actual Valentine's. So I think it was a really love-filled week, I suppose, so I feel very refreshed Mm -hmm. and it was really good. I totally forgot about Valentine's Day. My partner and I just never celebrate it. <laughs> yeah. There were some cool stories on the Optimist Daily about Valentine's and also self-love, so I should have remembered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did have some really fun stories this week for Valentine's Day, but I guess we also had some other really cool stories on the Optimist Daily this week, and I know yours for sure was one of my favorites. I picked one out for the ocean enthusiasts this week. Yeah. Um, should I just dive in? Yeah, I think so. All right. Today I'm looking into the article titled, Do Mysterious Baird's Beaked Whales Share Culture? A Dive into Marine Life traditions. (laughs) I love sharing articles that highlight just how amazing our planet is and how incredibly complex and intelligent other creatures can be because I think, you know, we as human beings tend to regard ourselves as the most intelligent species on the planet. Yeah. But There are many different kinds of ways intelligence shows up in other creatures, other beings. Totally. I know the other week we were talking about chickens and your chicken best friends. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I just have a soft spot for animal intelligence. Um, And besides, like humans think that we're the smartest, but we're also the only species that has totally destroyed the environment in such yeah. a horrible way no definitely so yeah we'd like to keep that in mind but anyway back to unraveling the mysterious world of Baird's beaked whales and their unexpected social gatherings so i hope everyone's ready to plunge into the depths of this story yeah i definitely am <laughs> so okay let's all imagine the frigid waters near the commander islands so that's located where the pacific ocean and the bering sea meet For more context, the Commander Islands are a series of islands in the Russian Far East, and it's a place known for, you know, it's it's really dark and mysterious oceans. And this article describes how marine scientists stumbled upon Baird's beaked whales, and these whales are known as deep-sea dwellers, but they were frolicking in the shallow waters of these islands, which is completely surprising. 
Now, you might think that this is just a kind of a one-off thing, but marine scientist Olga Filatova and her team noticed this happening every year between 2008 and 2019, making all of these social gatherings a true annual event for the whales, kind of like a reunion. Yeah, annual whale reunion, so kind of a party they're having over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe, but... The fascinating thing is that over 12 years, the team of scientists discovered a population of 186 individual whales with a core group of 79 of those whales known as the resident pod. So those 79 would return to the same place by the Commander Islands regularly. The remaining 107 whales were classified as kind of transitory. So they're just, you know, appearing once and then going away, but they also exhibited remarkable relationships with the people or with the people, with the whales that were returning every year to the same place. So it's kind of like a family tradition. But the really interesting thing about it is that it's not just about the location for these whales. Filatova talks about something super mind-blowing, which is, you know, whale cultural traditions and cultural exchanges. Yeah, I'm curious to hear more about these kinds of traditions and exchanges. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we tend to think of animals as not having culture um, mm-hmm. or cultural practices, but apparently they do if we take a closer look at them. Yeah, I mentioned the transient whales before. So those are the whales that just come once and then leave. And so they're less familiar with the island environment than the resident ones, the ones who come back every year. So the transient whales are hanging out with the regulars and they seem to learn about the benefits of shallow waters through these social interactions because these are deep sea whales. So they don't really know where to chill um, in the shallow waters yeah (laughs) it's like a whale exchange program basically yeah and sharing their knowledge on their favorite hangout spots you know good tips I think that's something that humans (laughs) do anyways good places to go visit yeah exactly it's so cute actually yeah (laughs) so Baird's beaked whales like orcas and dolphins appear to communicate and acquire cultural habits so Filatova goes on to say that it is the first time a cultural tradition has been observed among beak whales and the researchers assume that transients uh, learn about the benefits of shallow waters through these social interactions with the resident whales This discovery calls into question our knowledge of beaked whale behavior by demonstrating their ability to adapt to other quote-unquote cultures. And also orcas, who are known for participating in social fads and exchanging hunting skills, provide an analogous example in the marine environment. And on that note with orcas, do you remember uh, when orcas were like putting salmon on their head and wearing them like a party hat? as a fad (laughs) oh my gosh I do remember this I feel like there have been like quite a few like orca Mm -hmm. stories like over the years yeah so maybe it's something like that that the beaked whales are um participating in yeah (laughs) who knows there's still a lot of research that has to go into it but considering all of this new information conservation becomes a bit of a trickier puzzle So Filatova is speaking the truth when she said, you cannot expect all individuals within a specific species to behave the same way. Yeah, humans too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. With humans, you can't just assume that, well, we're all drastically different. Yeah. I guess whales have their own individual experiences and these whales in particular have gone kind of rogue in the ocean and they're breaking stereotypes Mm -hmm. of what people think beach whales do. And this challenges our assumptions about habitats and behaviors. 
and, you know, just highlights that the ocean is full of surprises. But that also means that we can't make assumptions about how best to protect these complex animals. Um, so there has to be a lot more work done in that regard. Uh, but even still, it's so exciting to witness a paradigm shift in cetacean research. And the mysteries of marine life are proving to be way more complicated and fascinating way more than we had ever imagined. So maybe with this realization, people will be more compelled to protect wildlife, no matter what the species is, because maybe we just don't really understand how intelligent they are. Yeah, the solution was so fascinating. Um, Different species are very intelligent, and we don't always realize that. And it's just cool to see that they have, you know, cultural practices, us humans, and yeah, very enlightening. Mm-hmm. And that they can exchange and like learn from each other. I think it's really totally. Cool. Yeah, I think we'll learn a lot more about these whales and a lot of different species as research gets even better and better. And maybe next we'll be able to figure out a way to better communicate with them so that they can tell us how we can best protect them. <laughs> and maybe show us their favorite chill spots as well. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It would be good to have some whale suggestions on the best Mm. chill spots. So speaking of conservation and all of that, I think you chose a story that has to do with some kind of habitat restoration or something. Yes. Yeah. So I have another biodiversity environment solution that I picked out this week. So I'll just go ahead and dive into mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mine is titled England's Biodiversity Revolution a radical approach to sustainable development. This one was really interesting because, I mean, I really love all of our conservation solutions the most. I mean, we have a lot of great solutions, but conservation is always promising to see. Mm -hmm. And so this week we found out that England is introducing a biodiversity credit scheme in a historic move that will transform the construction scene. This week marks the debut of the Biodiversity Net Gain program, which is abbreviated as BNG, which is a bold endeavor to push new development projects to benefit and not hurt the natural environment. Wow, this sounds like a really cool plan. Um, but how exactly would a new development benefit the environment? How does it work? Yeah, so under this nature market, what they'll call it, is all new building projects must generate a 10% net increase in biodiversity or habitat. If a natural area is damaged, a similar or superior habitat must be created either on-site or elsewhere. This plan is not only ambitious, but it also corresponds with the UK government's goal of building 300,000 new houses yearly by the mid-2020s. So, you know, houses can be a little, obviously, bad for the environment, Mm -hmm. but under this plan, we're trying to balance it out. So, yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah, and Natalie Duffus, who is a University of Oxford researcher, underlines the scheme's potential impact. In theory, it could restore a lot of habitats, she says. And the legislation takes effect under the Town and Country Planning Act, with larger sites mandatory on February 12th, which was earlier this week, and smaller sites starting on April 2nd, 2024, coming up in the next few months. So this plan is not going unnoticed on the global scale either. The BNG initiative in England, which is dubbed world-leading in its scope by Sophie Sue Ermgassen, an ecological economist at the University of Oxford, is gaining global notice. Sweden, Singapore, Scotland, and Wales have already expressed interest in adopting or adapting this approach, with Duffus adding, other places are watching us and seeing how it unfolds. 
seems like it's already making traction around the world. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, this plan is lauded as ambitious, though. And the global biodiversity credit market faces a key challenge, which is low demand. Currently, there's only $8 million committed worldwide to this, so not a lot in the global scope at all. Mm-hmm. And globally, biodiversity funding totals $169 billion each year, with the majority coming from domestic public funds. According to the UN, it needs to reach $200 billion from all sources, public, private, domestic, and international, by 2030. Erm Gaston adds that a mandatory approach increases demand and draws more investment. But we're not quite there yet, so... Mm-hmm. But yeah, the BNG plan is overseen by several organizations, including local governments and government agencies in the UK. So this multi-layered strategy is regarded as a positive, and it avoids the difficulties inherent with voluntary markets, since it is part of the government. However, there are worries about a shortage of monitoring resources, with more than a quarter of BNG units in danger of not resulting in tangible improvements in biodiversity. Okay, so I guess the idea is there, and it's really, really ambitious, as you mentioned. And it does have a lot of potential, but I suppose that the problems with that would be enforcing it. Yeah, so that's the thing that we're gonna, well, they're gonna have to figure out as this gets implemented. Despite the encouraging developments, as we're mentioning, environmentalists emphasize that the BNG scheme's success is dependent on adequate regulation, monitoring, and enforcement, as we mentioned. So Tom Oliver, who is an applied ecology professor, warns that previous environmental restrictions have often been laxly enforced. So he says that BNG's success hinges on effective environmental regulation, monitoring, and policing. And yet, when you look at all of our past case studies, they clearly show a failure of environmental enforcement and policing. So finding a balance between this really cool innovation and thorough control is really vital to the scheme's long-term success. Mm -hmm. There is kind of a solution that is evolving. Um, Over the last decade, the corporate sector has been increasingly involved in nature conservation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we've definitely covered uh, this kind of development over the years on The Optimist Daily. Totally. And through our parent organization, the World Business Academy, that also has been a bit of a watchdog for the role of business in doing good, especially for the environment. So I think over Mm -hmm. the years, it's really promising to see corporations become involved in this. So that can be a good way to enforce and monitor this new development. At least the structure is there on paper. Um, You have to start somewhere, right? So even if it's not perfect right now, it will probably gain more traction as, um, as more attention is put towards the environment because we really need it right now. (laughs) And that's also what the solution was talking about too, because as worldwide voluntary biodiversity credit markets grow, internationally accepted standards become increasingly important. And Sue Ermagasson notes that the current era is one of experimentation and innovation, highlighting the lack of a universally accepted framework. So yeah. And the Campaign for Nature's Research emphasizes the need for government support, arguing that biodiversity should be recognized as a public good, which, yeah, definitely should be. Mm -hmm. And governments must play a critical role in financing biodiversity and incorporating it into private investment decisions via policies, regulations, and incentives. I think this is like a really great pioneering step towards a more sustainable and environmentally friendly future in construction. 
there's limitations, of course, as we discussed, but, you know, there is a worldwide appeal. It's getting eyes from all over the world and a lot of potential for positive impact. So it's worth observing and kind of keeping tabs on. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the thing with like the solutions that we have in the Optus Daily and just in general, like, you know, there's um, trial and error, like things can be a great idea and they might need some work to really get it to be super effective. So I think this is definitely something we'll have to keep our eye mm-hmm. on Ariel at the Optimist Daily. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a step in the right direction. And we're here for that, for sure. Well, that was a great roundup of solutions, as usual, if I may say. <laughs> uh, we have some other great solutions from this week that you can find on our website, optimistdaily.com. And they include... Pioneering prosthetic mini-touch enables amputees to sense differences in temperature. Nice. Is Tai Chi even better than aerobic exercise when it comes to heart health? My my aunt used to do it all the time. Oh, yeah. maybe we'll have to try it out a I little know. bit more and report back. <laughs> yeah. Cultivate confidence, a guide to feeling fantastic while naked. I think that was one of our Valentine's Day solutions, yeah. (laughs) Because then we also have tripping into bliss, magic mushrooms linked to better sex lives. Hmm. Spicy. Yeah, spicy solutions this week. (laughs) We also had top five Martin Luther King Jr. speeches that aren't I Have a Dream. It's Black History Month, so that one was a good one to look at. I appreciated that one. Novel blood test for brain cancer brings hope of earlier treatment and better survival rates. Revitalize your skin, four natural ingredients to combat dry skin this winter. And plastic eating power of superworms inspires super waste management solution. Amazing. So if you want to start your day off right, make sure to subscribe to our free daily newsletter to get our solutions straight to your inbox. And we also have more on our social channels. You can find us at The Optimist Daily on all of our platforms, including Threads and Pinterest. The only difference is on X. We are there as Ode to Optimism. We're a small team of optimists working hard to bring you positive news. If you want to support our mission, which we hope you do, of putting optimism out into the world, please click on the link in the show notes to find out how. Yeah, and support doesn't always have to be financial. Even just recommending our podcast to a friend, leaving a positive review on Apple or Spotify, or sharing a solution to your socials would be a very big help in supporting our mission. I guess that's all we have for this week, Ariel. Uh, As always, it was great to share solutions with our listeners this Mm -hmm. week. I'm looking forward to next week with more solutions. All right. Well, we will see you next week, same time. And have a great weekend, Carissa. Yeah, you too, Ariel, and everyone else. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Bye. Bye.